Hi, my name is Hans-Peter Meyer, and you're listening to the Lyft Startups podcast series, all about the entrepreneurs, creatives, and small businesses who are growing the next economy on Vancouver Island. You who've been listening, we've just uh, been talking to J.S. Parmar, CEO and founder of Picketic. Uh, talking about Picketic, but the next this segment here, we're going to be talking. Uh, we've got some questions for you about you as an entrepreneur and and uh, as a human being. So, what's the what's your favorite thing about the work you're doing today? Uh, there's so many. That's such a good great question. Uh, right now, that's really driving me is movement. Uh, the just seeing the events that are coming on, on there in terms of what type of change people are making within their own communities and knowing that we have a small part in helping that bridge together uh, is, is really, really, uh, really inspiring and fun. And then another favorite thing I think is, is really the, the talent and the people that we have inside of our team and, and seeing these beautiful humans and their talents collide together in, in great create magnificent pieces of of work and and it is, is really inspiring so really it's just is is getting to be a small part of 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 great events and, and create a little bit of change and also being a small part of of our team and helping lead great leaders to go out there and, and do phenomenal work uh with with the picnic platform what are three things that people don't know about your business uh, the API for sure would be the number one is, is that the API is, I guess, you know, for people who aren't familiar with an API, it's a, it's a software, a software um, solution. So if, if I had to put it sort of an analogy again for people is that you just imagine uh, an iceberg and an iceberg is this big engine under or big, big piece of, of, of uh, ice underneath the waterline, which you only see the top uh, in, in a smaller piece on the top. Effectively, if we cut off the top, we just leave you with the bottom and you can build anything you want on top. That's what our API does. So you can build your own infrastructure. You can, it's your brand, your identity. Uh, you can have, you can integrate other APIs inside um, other, you know, just other partners um, and software. So that is uh, that, that people don't know. I think movement is the next thing. It's because we, we're so, we're so uh, grassroots with that initiative um, in terms of that. And then I guess the third thing that people don't know is, is that we are, we're Canadian um, and our team is, uh, is, is, is as uh, you know, most people think our team is probably a few, you know, a few hundred maybe or, or, or much larger than it is. I think that's something that's pretty neat is that how capital efficient and how efficient we are with our, with our resources in order to go out there and build what we have built. So, and you're right now, you're only, you're telling me only about 18 people. That's right. That's yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, 18 people. And then comparatively, when you look at our, us, and there's a lot of uh, review software sites out there in the world and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and we are listed right there at the very top um, of the world's best. And, and when you start taking a look at how much money and how many people that they have in, in with their, with their, uh, with their softwares. Um, it, uh, you know, we, 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 we definitely punch above our weight, but I mean, that's a competitive advantage. We take a look at that as being able to, to move faster. We're not so bulky. Um, and we're, that's what's been able to go out there and give us the speed that we're able to go out there and compete at this level. At. Okay. Now back to you personally. So what was your biggest failure and what did it teach you? Oh, that is just First and foremost is I failed failure is, a, is, is, uh, is just a data point. Um, and I think failure is really only if I continue to keep on doing the same thing over or dwell in it. So, um, you know, I don't consider failure to be failure. I failure, I think is just a learning opportunity. And as mentioned, a data point. And now how many data points have I failed at tremendously? Like they just, it's just, an, it's just a, it's just really, and, but now it's just like, we're, we're, it, it's ironic. It's like, we're trying to fail, but trail, fail fast, fail cheap and iterate as fast as we possibly can. Uh, the biggest failures that we have in the past is, I mean, one, one beautiful one that's really epic is, is that we decided to go out there and, 
and pivot our platform to crowdfunding for events. So really back when crowdfunding was this big and big initiative, there's a lot of like um, a lot of a lot of crowdfunding platforms and we thought, oh, we're on events, it'd be perfect. And the reason being is because event organizers, when they're putting on a event, there's a lot of upfront capital. They have to go out there and, you know, book the band, book the music, book the hall, et cetera, et cetera, and, and all this capital. And, and that's before they've even sold one single ticket or know if anybody's even remotely interested in coming to their event. So we're like, okay, well, if there is these event organizers, let's let them crowdfund it, meaning that they can entice uh, buyers, early adopter buyers to come purchase for their event at a discounted price knowing that they have to reach a certain amount of critical mass before the event goes on. If the event doesn't go on, they get their money back. So there's, they're, they're protected. And the organizer knows that, okay, well, there's these early adopters and they have, they have enough people to hit this mass that the event will be successful and, and they got great market validation. Now, as a whole, in the software and the idea, it's fantastic. It worked phenomenally well. The problem and where we epically failed is, is that, for example, let's say you live in, in, in Toronto and you have this big event, but now you want to go out there and get market validation in New York. The first year you get market <laughs> validation is great. And you're like, great, we crowdfunded it and it worked. But the second year, you don't need to crowdfund it because you've already, you've already got validation. So our lifetime value of our customer was not big, meaning that when we got a customer, they would only stay with us for one event and then be gone. And when you start looking at in terms of uh, building a business around a hundred percent churn, it just it didn't really work out, and it was a massive failure for us. Uh, we iterated, we pivoted, and and we were able to go out there and and, and get our get our business to where it needed to be. Have mentorship or community played a role in your personal success? Oh, hundred percent, a thousand times, and and the mentorship comes in so many different ways. Um, you know, younger, older, uh, you know, vertical specific. It's it's really in terms of the the founder psychology or entrepreneur psychology in terms of you know the roller coaster that we go through. But I, I would love to share this one story. I'm not sure if I have shared it, but there's this one mentorship piece of advice that was given to us, and it lasted. You know, the mentorship session lasted about five minutes, and it effectively saved our company from what I think would have would have crashed and burned many years ago. Um, and it went like this. We, we, we were like, we, from, from Saskatoon, we went to San Francisco and then Toronto, and then we were in New York and we raised a bit of money and, and uh, the, you know, we need to go out there and, and find a head office in terms of where we wanted to go out there and, and make Picatick um, HQ. And most of our money came from Eastern, the Eastern seaboard. Uh, so it was natural for for our investors to want us to stay on that side and just have close proximity. But being from Saskatchewan and sort of the West Coast kind of style guys, we you know that that we we gravitated more towards um, San Francisco or you know back to Saskatoon or maybe even Vancouver or, or wherever it is. So, but uh, so the team got together and we we sat and we were. We were round tabling and one of the investors walked in and just said, Hey, what type of problems are you solving today? What's going on? You know, what's the lowdown? And we said, Hey, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to figure out where we're gonna go out there and move our office. And he's like, Okay, great. And started talking about it and then and just went, Whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait a second. Um, have you guys talked to your wives or fiancés or your partners? And unanimously all of us were like, No, we haven't chatted with this and he effectively called us idiots. Um, you know, in a tongue, <laughs> tongue in cheek way, and said, "Go home, um, talk to your partners, because if you don't have that support, you you have nothing." Uh, now that we've gone through the roller coaster that we have, if we didn't have the supportive partners that we had, uh, there would be nothing. And in that five pieces, that five minutes of, of of advice, we took it back to our partners unanimously. Everyone was okay. We want to be in Vancouver. And, and, you know, as they say, happy wife, happy life, happy partner, happy, happy life. Um, in, in that case, uh, we, we made the right decision. And, and that piece of five minutes saved our company, what otherwise would have been uh, a defunct company a long time ago. Good one. Um, who was your most important hire and, and why was that? I think the, the you know, it's, 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 it's funny. It's like, it's a hire, but I mean, as an entrepreneur, and you, you know, I was the founder, 
uh, the founding member of this is your, your first your first drive is to go out there and find co-founders. So as you go out there and you look for co-founders, I think that is, is you're really trying to find, and that's like a marriage in terms of making sure that you can find people that who's going to go out there and ride this roller coaster with you and et cetera, et cetera, have the same vision, have the same passion, be able to go out there and have skill sets that, that are much greater than yours and you guys can complement each other. Um, so I think the most important, uh, hire and I, I, I you know I, I don't necessarily think it's a hire but partner um at that time because and I guess hire it's because at that time we had no money it, it was we're, we're in it together and it's been it's been like that ever since we, we're in it together but uh is the is my co-founder uh Brett uh Brett Eden you know without question uh there this could not have done be what it is without without a strong co-founder like him and that is the most important person throughout this organization um uh with me and so that that one is an easy one to answer okay are you a reader i am yeah i i, I am when i have time I, it's, it's a lot of audio books mostly now Okay, well that that counts. Um, what was your favorite book as a child? Uh, anything by by Robert Munch. Yeah, I love I love <laughs> lo- love Robert Munch. I mean, I just anything by Robert Munch is, and it's just funny. I have a four and a half year old child now, so I'm getting reintroduced to Paperback Princess and Robert Munch, and it just I, it brings back good memories. So, and and I love reading. I love reading it to this day as an adult. As an adult, uh, what has been your favorite book? If you can name one or two uh, uh, to this point. I, you know, the hard things about hard things, I mean, that's an easy one to, to rip off. I mean, I, and the reason being is just goes to the founder psychology and, and, and just realizing that, you know, this is a, this is a tough gig. And, and when you're trying to build something that has no real roadmap and you're going through it, there's, there's going to be hurdles and, and all the other stuff and knowing that, you know, you're not by yourself and this is just all part of the journey. And uh, that that's fun to read about that. Uh, and then another one is from a local author that I'm diving into right now and reading is it's called Early Exits by Basil Peters. He's a Vancouver based uh, author that that's been a really, really great read in terms of uh, wrapping my around around the, you know, the business side of the of the venture capitalist market or the the vc and, and the angel market so that's that's really interesting i'm having some fun uh learning some 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 key points around the uh, around his points and his, his thoughts in his book okay what is the smartest thing you think you've ever done uh, <laughs> marry my wife uh that yeah i think the smartest thing is really going out there i is Listen, is is getting out of my comfort zone. There's no question about this. the The smartest thing is is moving out of Saskatoon, and not that Saskatoon. I love it. It's home, and I'll retire there. And that's that is my my heart, and that is like you know, it's a community that that grew me into who I am, and I feel like I owe a lot back to it. But getting outside of uh, that comfort zone, I had a really comfortable, very very secure life. Um, and not only, not until I was pushed out of that, uh, I realized that um, you know that uh, there's a lot of learnings. And, and, and throughout that process, is once I got out of that comfort zone, uh, there is panic attacks, there is discomfort, there is just sleepless night, there is just a ton of dis- just agony um, around around that. And the lesson it taught me, which which is why I think it's the smartest thing is is that um you know comfort zones are just an illusion uh anyways and we really don't have much control over it but what i did find is that the greatest learning that i've had as a human as a person as an individual as a partner came when i was pushed out of that comfort zone which now has really became my new comfort zone is uncomfortability uh and i think that that as a whole is an investment in myself as a person uh, and I think that's the smartest thing that I've done. And moreover, that lesson that I will be able to go out there and teach my child at some day is I didn't sit in the cheap seats, not saying that if anybody is doesn't do this, so they're sitting in the cheap seats just for myself, is I really went after it and I swung. And now if it wins or if it loses, it doesn't matter. But I showed up and I swung and I keep on swinging 
and and because of that, there has been some success. What well, and conversely, what's the dumbest thing you've ever done? Uh, yeah, you know, it's the that whole stick your tongue on a pole um, <laughs> in winter time. You know, like the like the dumbest thing. The analogy on that is really not taking a second and stop and asking for advice from people who have been there, done that. Um, and I think it's just been lazy is, is just being, is just, is really staying in safe in my zone in, in. So when have you, so when have you done that? Oh, you, example. When have you, you know, that? well, I'll tell you, I mean, I, I should have left the company. I, cause I was, I was, I was playing around with the company five years and it was within the comfort zone. It was a side project. We didn't really didn't push it out. Um, I think effectively is that we should have gone, you know, year one, year two, um, and, and, and gone with that. Um, so that that's one thing that we could have done is like we've lost many years in, in competitive advantage, I think, um, around that. Um, so and there's just, there's too many dumb things to to really, like bad hires, hiring, hiring when we shouldn't have hired. Well, inversely, some of the best things we've done is great hires. Um, yeah, just just a just a ton of a small or a ton of small mistakes that have that have added into and some real big mistakes, <laughs> um, but none are really coming to mind um, outside okay. of you know the ones that we mentioned. So you talked about you know getting out of your comfort zone, and this next question is about the scariest thing you've ever done. But um, how did you get through some of this anxiety? How did you get through some of the fear that you've faced? Oh, you know what? I mean, you, I, I, and, and I'm going to be as transparent as I possibly can. It's not easy. I mean, um, in, in Saskatchewan, I mean, effectively retired, uh, you know, the, everything was easy. And then coming out here uh, down to the Valley, I equated to this. And just to give you some context is being a phenomenal hockey player just like really awesome in Guatemala and then coming up to Canada and the kids that play on the street are better than you. When I went to the Valley, that's what I, what I learned is like just everyone was smarter. The Harvard kids, the Stanford kids, just, everyone is just faster, smarter, harder, faster. Um, and so getting over it is really just really is, is really taking humility, understanding that this is just a process and, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and so it's just really getting up every single day and going after it and going after it and going after it and going after it and and having no quit um and then also understanding that you know there's there's learning is like these people know more there is there is uh what do they know that you don't and trying to find that information and learn so investing the time in order to go out there and get yourself at that speed is critical and and the difference between um some and others is some people will just pack up take their ball home and and they'll take their licks and it'd be like okay i tried where the others will be like okay i'm going to get beat up and go and go and go and go until i find it um and so there is no easy answer to to that other than just getting up and going um and just getting up and going and just getting up and going and continually driving uh, to a point yeah so it's hard work hard work hard work now this is um um the tim ferris uh, podcast series um is something that that, that has inspired this my podcast series and and so this question actually comes from tim ferris and that is what new belief behavior or habit adopted within the last five years is having the most positive impact in your life today is okay for tons lots i mean the the belief is is failure is just a data point, plain and simple. Um, that is that is it. I I I I don't romance failure, but I wear like a badge of honor on my side of my my shirt, um, and I understand like that when I when I talk about failure, I'm proud of my failures because it's helped me iterate and learn from them. Um, you know that so that's the that's probably the utmost first and foremost, um, and then. You know the the people aspect is is just understanding is that in order to build good companies, good 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 platforms, good ideas is you is really trying to go out there and find great people um, and get out of their way and and try and bring out the best of people. And so from a management side, 
is really working with different principles around that um, and in getting out of my own way um, and getting out of my own ego and really, really, really making sure that people who are part of the team are, are leading the way. If you could have a conversation with someone who died before you were born, who would that be and what would you talk about? Uh, you know, I, if I, could, I, I haven't really thought about anybody who I'd like to. I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated by JFK. I'm, I'm fascinated by um, old presidents, which is, which is unique. Um, I'm fascinated by Gandhi. Um, oh, I know who it would be without is It's somebody who has died. And I actually went and visited um, uh, Robin Islands uh, a few months back in South Africa is, is Nelson Mandela. Um, I would love to go out there and talk about perseverance and being humility and leading by example and playing the long game and never giving up. And I just want to talk about what was it like? How did you get through 27 years of, 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 of working in the mines and, and being on this island and still having, um, you know, the mindset, the cognition and being able to be a leader and still at the end, be, be president of your country. And how did you bring all these people together? Just the psychology around that, because when I think about hardship in terms of what we've gone through in terms of running a business, they pale, they pale um, exponentially to what that man went through in terms of really bringing um, our pride and bringing a country uh, together um, and, and, and getting, 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 uh, getting, um, you know, that country to where it is right now. And then it's not perfect by any means. Don't get me wrong, but, uh, there's some great leadership around that, and I'd love to have a conversation with him because he was able to bring mm-hmm. some great, uh, you know, change change a whole nation. That's a very inspiring. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so we're based on Vancouver Island, so I'm always asking this Vancouver Island question. I, I don't think you're all that familiar with the island, are you? No, I mean, I've been there about a handful of times. Every time I go out there, it's just, oh, I'm always amazed. Um with what I see, what I've learned. One of my best lessons actually in life came from Vancouver Island. I had a beautiful winery tour that I was at. Um, and it was, it was very interesting, but yeah, it's a, it's a great, it's a, it's, it's a great community and, and the people are all outrageously kind and, and nice. So what is one thing, what you know about Vancouver Island, what is one thing that every Vancouver Islander should do this year? Something that most of us maybe don't know about or, or appreciate the value of? I, you know, I, I think it's just like anybody who's local, they sometimes don't appreciate their own backyard and explore something new. Uh, my wife and I, we go, when we ever go to the islands, we, we, we have to try something new because there's such, there's, there's so many pockets in different parts of the island. I think that, People who are in the island, I think that they would be surprised um, how many beautiful things that they are they have in their back backyard. Uh, generally, we tend to go out there and travel outside of our own backyards, uh, and that was akin to what we were in Saskatchewan. Is that there's so much happening in Saskatchewan that um, you know we could we could spend years just exploring our own backyard. So the only advice I'd give to anybody uh, inside. Uh, inside their own communities is just go out there and explore a little bit more in their backyards for what it's worth. So what was the last thing you discovered on Vancouver Island? You and, you and yeah. I mean, because for us, we just think it's such a, and it's maybe it's because it's foreign to us, but every time we go from like, Oh, I love Airstreams and there's this Airstream camp. And I think I can't remember where it is, but it's just, there's Airstream camp with this beautiful coffee. And I know the owner's name is Mike and we got to meet him. Uh, we spent Canada Day at this resort. We've we've gone to Gambier Island, and and we you know we do that every year. So that's something that we do. Um, we've gone down the winery tours out there. The, there's just so much, and that that is that is out there that you can do, and it's so peaceful. Um, you know, it's just it's just there's just all these nooks and crannies. I, I don't know. Is that? I mean, would you agree that there's a lot of nooks and crannies out there that are that are just ready to be dismissed? <laughs> yeah, I would I would agree. And I'm trying to illuminate some of them for other people and and for myself too. So I'm always asking. So here's a um, totally non question, like very different kind of question. If someone gave you one million dollars to support local entrepreneurs, 
I want you to be fairly specific about this. What three things would you? Do? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't. I think there's one thing that I do, and have compartments of A, B, and C. But as local entrepreneurs, is that there's the, the thing that I do is I'd go out there and uh, put that risk capital back into the ecosystem. So angel investing, um, and I'd spread that out. Oh. Is making sure because like the risk capital at the beginning, in terms of of really sparking the creation idea on a piece of paper or a minimal viable product, banks aren't going to fund that. It needs to come from from angels. So I'd love to put that inside there. The second thing that I would do is I would create an, an organization called Dog Fooding. Um, I'm not sure. Um, thank you for asking this question because it's something that I still think I would like, want to do. Is, um, is is Dog Fooding is the sense of um, in educating the community to go out there and if they can't invest dollars, but invest time into early products that these your local sons and daughters are building. Um, within their community and the reason being is because at the beginning startups and the products are crap they're awful and they sh you should be embarrassed about your product every six months but the only <laughs> way and you don't want to spend so much money building it because you might be polishing up something that is completely useless and and so the only way to really get that that iterative feedback is to go out there and and have early adopters or friendlies use it phone you up and tell you that, oh, this is this product, um, you know, you might want to do this or you want to, you might want to change that. And that's really helping. Like when we're in Saskatchewan, um, even in, and in Vancouver now, people will call us up and they'll give us their feedback and they'll, they'll eat their own dog food. They'll support their own community. Now we've got to a, a point where we're much larger, but at the beginning, our product is crap. It was awful. It was, it was, you know, in looking back at it, you, you look, we're embarrassed about it, but we're not proudly embarrassed about it. So this, the thing we do is invest in these, these, these startups to go out there and build their products first. Again, they're going to be crap and they're going to get, you know, they're going to be less crappier and crappier as they go along. And then in, in, educate the um the public to go out there and and use use them and support them and and the reason why that's important is in and, and the why is because what it does is it helps sp spring up the next beautiful company um in your own backyard Two, once they get going like us they start hiring people that are in tech and with uh, that aren't in tech and so that's a new taxation base which builds sidewalks and helps the ecosystem and the community. And third is, is that um, they uh, they bring in new money. So once they get to a certain like they, they start bringing outside investment dollars within our e ecosystem. So it's not recycled money, it's new money. And then once they exit, they now then can go out there and reinvest back into the community, but not just money, but they can do it also with um, experience. So they can add value add. So that's that whole small little ecosystem and that nuance that we want to go out there and help educate and build. That I think it's important to build up good, good, good startup ecosystems or good technology eco ecosystems that uh, that can compete. And again, we are competing with the rest of the world, bar none, plain and simple. Uh, and so the the faster and the better that we can go out there and support our own, uh, the more successful we will be as as a community moving forward because everything inevitably is going to be tech. Okay. <clears throat> what is something or some things uh, quirky or unknown, something that people don't know about you? Because, yeah, just tell us something that, that we might not know about you, Jay. Um, yeah, I'm not, in terms of quirkiness, I, I, I think um, the, <laughs> maybe there's a lot, but I, I, some people might not know is that maybe we should ask your yeah, wife. Yeah, absolutely. Something sometimes when people are surprised and that they don't know, and some I, I don't often share this, but I was a I was an elementary school teacher for twelve years. I taught kindergarten to grade four phys ed. Wow. Yeah. And all this time you're you're being a DJ and you're growing this pick this picketing company. Yeah, uh, yeah. I had it on the stuff. side and did that and I mean had a petroleum construction company, uh commercial property, uh, residential, so a whole, whole bunch of different things. And end of my career, I was only teaching for a few hours a day. And so to run business and it was, it was quite a unique environment and situation and extremely supportive. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was a pretty quirky thing. And it, it was, it was neat. It was very, very, it was, it was something that, I, that I cherish and, 
and I plan to retire back to to uh, a substitute teacher uh, someday. Uh, and so that's in, in, an, in an elementary. That's right. The, the idea is is that my son. Yeah. I'd love to go in and and be a sub teacher for for their class, and I don't care to get paid, just to give the the teacher a little bit of prep time, which they'll love, and I get to come in and and maybe you know teach a few hours and do that until my son thinks I'm not cool anymore and and then <laughs> and then go to the next chapter. Okay. What this is the last question that we have for you um or I have for you. What's your favorite place to eat in the whole world? <laughs> oh, there's it's okay, there's a it's not open anymore but Listen, I'm I'm gonna actually I I know what I'm gonna go and I know that the team knows this and it it has an island connection so I'm I'm proud to say this but um, in in Gastown there is the ultimate burrito and it's and it's a it's a chicken burrito from Tocofino. It is probably the best thing I I oh, just the the team knows that I, that is my weakness. Um, and I love right. that, like nobody's business. So, um, so that that's probably my, one of my favorite things, uh, and and that, especially because it has uh, an island connection. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, Jay, for taking the time to talk. Oh, my to pleasure. Me. Thanks for sharing our story. And uh, for everybody who's listening, I've been talking to Jay Parmar. He's the founder and CEO of Pick a Tick, and you'll find them online at PIC. A T I C dot com. Talk to you soon. Bye bye. Bye bye. Good morning, Jay. Hey, good morning. How are you doing? Hi, everybody who's listening. Today I'm talking with uh, Jay Ash Parmar, founder and CEO of Picketic. Jay, tell us about Picketic. Uh, what is it? Picketic is an online ticketing and event management company. We help uh, event organizers host, plan, manage uh, their events. Uh, we do it a little bit differently in the sense that they can come out there and do it themselves. But on top of that, we give them opportunities to go out there and embed links, widgets, uh, code onto their own own assets. So, so for example, if they want to put them to their website or if they want to put them in their app, so it makes it feel like they have their own white labeled experience. It's their brand, their story, their customer. In addition, what we do is we, we integrate into uh, third-party channels like Slack uh, and a whole bunch of other channels where the buyers or the end users or their customers can go out there and purchase wherever their tribe lives so they're not redirected and just helps bring more people to their events and helps the events become more successful and and that's the great things that we get to do is is help bring people like together. you talked about some of the features there but um there are a number of event apps out there ticketing apps um what do you think makes picketix uh, unique or innovative yeah, dramatically different than our, our competitors is that uh, gone are the days where you, where we want to have people come to your brand or your event, uh, maybe your asset, your website, and then, then click a link and then redirect it onto another page. Uh, in, and then, you know, for example, go to X company, X ticketing company. And then what ends up happening is, is that it's more about the ticketing company and their brand outside of yours. So when you start looking at the data, uh, there's a lost, a lot of lost conversions and meaning that people mm -hmm. don't purchase. Uh, what we've done is we've done it completely different in the sense that we're, we're not, we're not about our brand. We're all about your brand. We integrate within your infrastructure. You know, you don't need to have any technical skills. You can just copy and paste code. And on top of that is rather than having the user come to us, we want to go to them. So instead of, instead of, uh, you know, asking the user even to come to your own website is how do we go to, you know, Facebook where they can purchase in there? How do we go to Slack where they can purchase in those channels where, where they live? So it's a completely different vantage point in terms of not about us, more about you. Um, and then and then also we, we don't touch any of the dollars. The dollars go directly straight to you. Uh, 
uh, that and that helps you have working capital. So for every two days in the states, in different parts of the world, or you know the maximum seven days, that money's trickling in. So event organizers can use that as working capital. And then lastly, we have this this API. So brands, enterprise, multinationals can build on top of our platform. So if there's anybody that wanted to to effectively build their own ticketing company, or they want to integrate different you know different features with inside their infrastructure. Um, they can do that with our API. So it's really development centric and focused. Uh, so that makes us completely different. Uh, and, and there's just a plethora of other things that that uh, we have because of our API that we can now offer our, our users that completely change the game. How long have you been working on this? Well, the, the interesting question, it's been a side project for me uh, back in the day for about five years, uh, we, we got accepted to an accelerator in 2013. So about five years now where we took some funding and we built out the team and, and did it at a full-time plus hour. So, uh, you know, the, the question is, is it's been, a, it's been a 10 year project, five years of it where, where it was like, okay, full-time, we're going to dive in deep and, and really try and push this to the rest of the world. And, and that's exactly what has happened. Cool. But you started before you went big, you, you know, it, it started as something. Tell me a bit about the backstory. I think that's really interesting how you got into this. Sure. I mean, it, it started because, uh, I mean, the back backstory and really quickly is uh, a buddy of mine. You know, we were we were 20 years old. We were working at, uh, you know, a clothing store. There was a sidewalk sale in Saskatchewan of all places. We were, um, we, you know, as a sidewalk sale, that's effectively all the clothing gets pushed out into the hallways or in the mall. And, um, you know, us being 20, we, we were effectively pseudo security guards. Uh, we folded clothes all day and make sure that nothing was, went missing. Uh, so we had a lot of time to talk. The, the discussion went around about, around is like, well, if we could have our, our dream, and again, note that we're 20 years old, what would we like to do? And we, our, our idea at that time was meet girls, uh, party, get paid to have some beers and, and do that. So, so uh, that was, that was the problem that we wanted to solve at that time. We, we got this BDC loan, BDC had a student loan for 3000 bucks. We applied for it. We got it. We went and bought a bunch of DJ equipment that led to us getting some press, uh, a whole page article on us that then our colleges at our university hired us. So we went from making $50 a day to 500 and then we started putting on our own events and then, you know, then you start doing $5,000 events. And then we were doing events for the prime minister, Wayne Gretzky, Gene Simmons, all these celebrities. Uh, and then that led us to building out our own ticketing company, which then uh, got the attention of some people in the Valley. They invited us to come down there. And, and that's when we really realized that, okay, we got to put this in full effect and full force. And, and there's, there's something here. And, and then, so we went and applied to an accelerator and, and another one and, and got some learning, some education, some foundation, raise some money. And the rest, as they say, is, is history. Why are you so passionate about what you're doing? Uh, absolutely. I mean, we have a quadruple bottom line and it's integrated into the DNA. First and foremost, I mean, it's people. Uh, people love, love people, love humanity, love, love our time on this earth. So just passionate about people and their stories and, and, and what makes them uh, what them um secondly most importantly and you'll see it all over our site and our branding and, and entwined in everything that we do it's bring people together uh that is a privilege in 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 terms of my world in terms of how i think um meeting new friends uh meeting old friends may, maybe the love of your life for me it's my my son he's you know he when he was in preschool, I got to see him had his Christmas concert for the first time. Uh, those are things that 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 money can't buy. That's that's life. That's culture. Uh, that's community, and we get to do that day in day out and help facilitate bringing people together. And so that's a big passion. And then and the next thing is is community. Is uh, you know we just launched movement where where we're trying to raise a hundred million dollars for the better needs of communities all over the world, and through software and through our platform. Um, we, we feel that we can go out there and have, make a social impact or to, to, to communities around the world. So that's what really drives uh, me and, and our team in order to go out there and use their skills, in order to go out there and help bring people together and, and potentially make the world a better place. So that's our passion 
and that's our reason of, of why we do what we do. <clears throat> yeah, so I mean, I'd, I'd like to hear more about uh, the, the movement. I mean, you've talked a bit about it, but um, yeah, so how did that come about? So you've called this thing, is it Picketic movement or the movement or what? what is it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'll give you some backstory on that one. Um, about a year and a half ago, maybe a little bit more, an event organizer came to me and and, and they, they wanted to go out there and have me sponsor uh, one of their events. And it was a fundraising event. And, and so the organizer called and said, did you make this donation? And I was like, well, what is it for? And, and he explained, he's like, well, we're raising money for these kids to buy instruments. Their current instruments are made out of trash and recycled material uh, as they live in Central America. And to me, my first world, I didn't even realize that was even a thing. Um, so I, I Googled it and looked, and sure enough, uh, there, there are people out there that that put instruments together because they have nothing. And it really, talk about making uh, lemonade out of lemons. Um, so went and met with their organizing team because I got really invested in terms of the story and, and, and realized that they're, they're only raising $6,000 uh, they're doing a concert uh, event, and I was like, "Well, with our software, with 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 my knowledge, uh, I can help." And rather than rather than making donation, is why don't we try and raise thirty thousand um, dollars? I'm happy to say that we raised over thirty thousand dollars, and then it got me thinking. I was like, "Well, like there's a lot of people who are trying to go out there and raise money, uh, do special events, uh, you know, just selfless people that." That, that are looking to 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 meet the needs uh, the better needs of people within their community, but they're just not event organizers. They don't have um, the skills because they do what they do, their jobs. So I was like, I you know, I talked to the team, came back and put a little side page, and I said, you know, if there's any any organizers that come in that are making change in their communities, uh, change makers, um, nonprofits, charitable organizations. Have them come onto this little page, and we'll sponsor their 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 event in terms of their. Piece. So, it, it was a test. I didn't know if it was going to work or not. And we we said no. We'll give it a year test, and uh, five thousand or five million dollars later, uh, oh. we we yeah we realized we had something, and which is great because like we're making money in all all over the world. But how do we go out there and make impact or leave the place better than? what we found it. So this is a good way to kind of, you know, do that. So a little bit of a self-serving in terms of that intrinsic feel on our part. Um, and so, but the problem with this happened was, is that, you know, they'd have to apply and we, we would then became these adjudicators of like, okay, you know, who, who gets the, the sponsor rate, who doesn't. And that's not what we wanted to do. Um, you know, we didn't want to really create a bottleneck. So the idea came to create a, a movement and, and really go out there and, and swing hard. And so the idea is like, well, if we can raise $5 million, why can't we raise $100 million? And then the idea came is like, how do we make this open sourced? Meaning that people don't have to apply, they can just log in, they can self-identify. And then maybe what we could do is we could have the community police it, if you will, or self-police self it. So what we did is we created these pages in, in this pro, this program or this initiative called Movement, where anybody who considers themselves a nonprofit change maker, just helping their community's greatest needs, um, they can come on. They identify. They don't have to talk to a single person. We don't need any sponsorship from them. They, we need nothing from them. They come on. When they go live with their event, there's a header, meaning the top of the website talks about what Movement is. And on the footer, there is a community gathering of how much money we have raised collectively in the world so there's this online counter and i guess the idea around that is bold initiatives bringing bold people and we want to keep fairly transparent in terms of you know what this initiative is doing and and so that has worked really really well in terms of people have really gravitated it and we've taken away the barriers and so it's been in full force and and in the, in the last few months, we raised another three million or four million. Um, wow. So you know we're 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 slowly itching uh, to the hundred million dollar mark. There will be a tipping point. The one thing that we have done is we won't use any type of paid marketing or any anything like that. Yeah, the inside the team, we want it to be really authentic and genuine. If the world takes it, they use it. Great. Um, 
this is not something where we're trying to get any type of press or anything of that sort. Uh, we just really want it to be a tool for people. So it's in the background and, and people are slowly getting aware of it. And when they do, they're, they're really happy. And they're just, there's a wonderment in, in the sense of like, what's the hook? What's the gimmick? You know, is this really what it is? And we're like, yeah, go for it. Um, and uh, so a lot of great success so far with it. Well, we've really benefited from uh, your support here at, at Lyft in the, in, on Vancouver Island. So thank you very much for that. Oh, and fantastic. I, and I, I, you know, I've always, uh, like your, your attitude and your approach to stuff has been inspiring for, for what we're doing here, for sure. Um, so it's all pretty obvious who your target market is for uh, movement. But uh, who's your target audience or market for picketing? Like, who do you want to get in front of? Yeah, great. I mean, that's a good question. And we have a huge taxonomy in terms of users that can use us. And, and we haven't really marketed our product at all. Uh, we just spent the last quarter really taking a look at that data and really focusing on, well, who do we really want to focus around? Where, what's our target market? And collectively, um, and who do we serve well? And collectively, like there, there's a lot of people that we can serve and there's a lot of events and, and organizers. But if we had to use marketing dollars or write content or really focus towards one vertical, uh, conferences is, is what we're looking at is we, we really enjoy conferences is generally because with conferences, it, there's, it's a sharing of, of not just bringing people together, but it's a sharing of ideas and, mm-hmm. and new creativity and spark. And from, from our standpoint, it's like, that's really neat. Not only, you know, again, do we get to create, you know, relationships and, and or help create those relationships and, and gathering of people in terms of, you know, kinship, but when you can go out there and create new ideas or help, again, help create new ideas or create that forum, um, we really gravitate to that. So that's really what we are focusing on is, is conferences um, and, and really helping spark creative ideas. Super. Um, now you started pretty small. You've grown, as you've put it to me, bigger. Like you always challenge me to think bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, how big? Uh, how big are you now? And how big do you think Picketic can get? Well, I mean, big is all relative in terms of how you think. I mean, we we our our whole big thing was when we first started. We were in North. Or we were in Canada, and then how to expand to the U.S. And then now in North America, Europe, Australia, Switzerland, Sweden. New Zealand last week. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just growing all over. So how big can we get? Um, and we are in every English-speaking uh, country in the world right now, I believe. Um, and so, we, you know, we'd love to go out there and, 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 trans, and translate our, our software to non-English-speaking uh, cultures, communities, and countries. We get a lot of questions around that. But when you start doing language, it, it gets a little bit tricky. Um, so that, that is where we, we like to see where we're going. Um, there, the API side on the business to business side is, is a really, really exciting piece of our business. Uh, there's some, there's some fantastic, really, really strong partners that are coming on board on that side. Um, in terms of people, we, we, we're at, we're at 18 people. Um, I think what we will do is we'll double up this year in, in size. Uh, I suspect that would be. That'll, that'll happen as we grow up the marketing and sales side. Um, what we do is we're really particular in terms of who we hire. And and, and so we really look to get senior people in, in place so that they're very, the 18 are very, very strong. So, um, and then, you know, from a revenue standpoint, I mean, it's, it's I mean, the numbers are, are fantastic and they're growing. So it's all, it's a whole bunch of levels, levels levers, sorry. Um, and the question going back to how big can you get? There is no, there's, there's nothing stopping us. I mean, the way we look at it and, and our goal is to have every single person in this world use our platform in one way or another, <laughs> be it on the consumer side or the API side. So that is it. I mean, if that, if that, if that, that's pretty big. That is big. Every single person in this world. Okay. Now, um, so you're, the last time I was in your offices, I'm not sure how many people you had. You certainly didn't have 18. Um, what are the was it? What are the kind of spinoffs that are happening in the in the? You're you're located in Gastown. Uh, I know you've got some satellite, at least one satellite worker. I, I don't know how many more. What are some of the positive spinoffs for the Vancouver community? You guys came out of Saskatoon. Yeah. Uh, I know you've got some kind of presence, or you had some presence on the island. 
what impact is Picatech having on, on these economies? Yeah, I mean, I think that what ends up happening is when you start bringing in, we, we've been able to attract talent from different parts of the world. So, um, and, and really strong talent, which bring, gives, us a, gives us an opportunity to really have a diverse crew. Um, so, you know, in terms of, in terms of the the taxonomy of our talent, we have people from Australia, we have people from Brazil, we have people from China, we have some from the United States, um, all over parts of Canada, uh, one from Belarus. So uh, when we can go out there and, and employ talent with with different backgrounds um, and keep them and retain them within our in our in our own backyard, that is great. Um, and and then what they do is they, um, they they start spinning off and doing doing different things uh, that add value to the community. So for example, one of our guys has the biggest React meetup in in Canada. Um, so they're putting adding value back into the community. Another one uh, because we have such a strong partnership with with Google, it speaks to um, the community about our experiences working with. With um, with Google infrastructure, uh, and so like there's and this is happening in so many different instances where uh, because we are events, we love to share and we love to give back to the community. Is that this this thought leadership is really going back and engaging um, the community and, and, and hopefully uh, lifting the community. Uh, and, and, and when, when tides rise, boats rise sort of ideology. So there, there is that. We bring in a lot of people in order to do events. So we'll bring in people from the Valley and do some mind share and, and, and create opportunities for, for, for engagement um, and, and really uh, learning from, from others. So there's, there's that piece. I myself uh, speak whenever, whenever I can, if there's an opportunity and, and people are interested in, in, and, uh, in learning potentially, or if I feel that there's some value that I can, I can give from, from all the years and the different communities, startup communities that I've been in. Um, so those are just a few examples. I'm sure that there's a million more, uh, that, that, that really help the community. And then again, the next thing too is, 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 um, you know, it's, it's we're paying taxes in our own backyard and carrying those moments and bringing in new investment dollars, uh, and in creating, you know, in creating uh, a little a little spark in the economy. So, you know, collectively, all these startups and all these tech companies are are really helping. Super. Now, can you just tell us where we can find you online, and then we're going to take a break and then start the next section. Absolutely. Uh, it's it's pick a ticket. It's abbreviated for pick a ticket. Uh, it's at P-I-C-A-T-I-C dot com. Okay, great. <clears throat> uh, so like I said, we'll take a short break here, uh, J.S., and uh, we'll get right back to talk about you as an entrepreneur. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lyft Podcasts, a series all about the entrepreneurs, creatives, and resource people who are growing local businesses. If you liked what you heard, please share via email or social media. And if you are sharing via social media, please use Vancouver Island's talent brand or talent tag, hashtag W-E-A-R-E-V-A-N-I-S-L. That's hashtag We Are Van Isle. This is one of the tools we've created to promote entrepreneurs on the island. Lyft is able to do its work thanks to the support of solution sponsors like SureCopy Courtney, Mastermind Strategy, 50th Parallel Public Relations, Finneron Hyundai, Jabin Postal Films, Presley and Partners, and 98.9 The Goat, as well as community partners like Atlas Cafe, The Island Word, My Tech Guys, McKinnon Photography, Island Soul Films, Investors Group, The Creator Space, and Douglas Magazine. Together, we're making shift happen for local businesses. Thanks for listening.